Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're going to go right to the phone. And we're going to be joined by Mr. Nate Zielinski. And Nate, I gotta, I'm got. i looking at my notes. I looked at the calendar. The calendar says it's June 13th. But yet the notes say you're going to talk big game hunting or scouting. You know what day it is? <laughs> you know, Terry, we got to just start informing people for a couple of reasons. So now, now bear with me now. Obviously, we are in the heart of the, the best fishing season we've probably ever had in history. But there's two things happening right now. Uh, you know, literally a, a week ago in the last 10 days or so, everybody got their draw results of the big game draw. So applications, licenses are out. You know if you are successful or not successful within that draw. Now, Colorado Parks and Wildlife has a secondary draw this year. It's a brand-new system. Uh, your applications are due in early July, but instead of having such a massive leftover list like we've had in the past, they are now issuing the secondary draw. Um, so if you've normally, if you've had an unsuccessful draw opportunity and you are used to buying a leftover tag in August, uh, some of those tags are not going to be available because now they're going to be purchased in the secondary draw in July. So number one, we want to talk big game for just a second because it's important for people to, to take advantage of that secondary draw. So that's all available on CPW's website. Uh, number two, Obviously, if you've done anything in the shooting world, you know, again, whether you're simply looking for um, hunting opportunities or maybe you're just a general shooter or self-defense, whatever the case may be, firearms and or ammunition um, is beyond hard to come by right now. So I'd say on a normal season, when we start getting ready for hunting season, we start doing this in July and August. Um, a lot of times these opportunities, it's hard to find it then. I would say that if you are planning on purchasing a new rifle and or you need ammunition for those rifles, I would start preparing now. I would start looking now. Um, so we just wanted to take one show to talk about those exact type things. You know, I personally am already in the field scouting, um, so it is full-blown scouting mission for me. Uh, as always, we always wait to start scouting until basically all the young of the year are on the ground. So once the cat, once the elk drop the calves, once the deer drop the fawns, once we start seeing that, that's when we start scouting. And that's happening as we speak. All of a sudden, all the young of the year are getting dropped. Um, and that really keeps these animals put until hunting season. So if you scout any earlier than this, more than likely those animals are going to move on you. But if you start scouting now, uh, once these animals start dropping the young of the year, they will stay put. Um, until this coming hunting season. So now's a great time to scout. Now's a great time to plan for your upcoming tags. And most importantly, if you are looking for firearms and or ammunition, uh, I would start that search now because it might take you a while to get it. I want to get back and do some more specifics. But obviously in the beginning of the segment, I was being facetious. You and I have talked forever that don't get ready for hunting season. Be ready. And in addition to the draw, a lot of people buy over-the-counter tags yet, and you know exactly where you can hunt. Uh, and, and we're not ever telling people that if you can't get out and scout that you shouldn't hunt. I mean, you have to at least spend enough time in the outdoors and understand so you're safe both in your going outdoors and with your firearm. But you have really have to adjust your expectations. The percentage of chance for success goes way down if you're not prepared, doesn't it? 
I mean, it is, it is very much just like the fishing world. Now, there's no doubt that so many hunters have that opportunity, and I don't really want to say lucky because I don't want to take it away from anybody, but it is. It's a situation of running into some animals and you create that success. Um, I mean, the, the national forest odds, I believe, of public land hunting, they say the average hunter who doesn't dedicate time, who doesn't dedicate the scouting, they're successful on a bull elk every seven years. But you have a whole other set of numbers of hunters that absolutely are successful every single year. Uh, it's one of those things that if you dedicate to it, if you go out scout, build the education, um, your success rate literally goes through the roof. I mean, in a matter of a handful of scouting trips, you can increase your opportunity of success 50 to 75 percent because, again, that's what it takes. Um, and when I say scouting, I'm not meaning go find your camp and cutting firewood. When I'm saying scouting, we scout as if we hunt. And I preach this to everybody. When I talk to people at sports shows and, you know, I know they've been scouting and I talk to them about their scouting, you know, when we hunt, there's so many times that we, you know, leave our, our trucks or leave our camps at, you know, two, three in the morning so we can hike five, six miles and be in position at first light. But yet when we scout, I talk to so many people that all of a sudden are like, oh, yeah, you know, I went up scouting and, you know, I got up there midday and I kind of poked around. Again, if you want to be successful and, and you want those odds to increase, scouting, number one, is most important. Number two, Scout as hard as you hunt. If you're going to do that, that extreme hunting where you're backpacking in or even hiking in or, you know, really putting a lot of dedication to it, do that same dedication in your scouting missions. You're going to find the animals. You're going to learn the behavior, and you're going to create that success that you want this coming fall. Again, I can tell you 100% that as a hunter, I've been extremely successful. My wife, my father, family, friends, all of us have extreme success here in Colorado, and it's all in public land, easy to do hunts. Um, but the biggest thing with that is we scout 10 times more than we actually hunt. We build that education. We find the animals, um, and it makes it so much easier. So, again, if, if you're that person that hasn't had that success, um, you're, it's not far-fetched. You don't have to hire an outfitter. You can do it yourself, but it all comes with the, the focus and the mission of building that intel uh, to take it out back to the field this coming fall. Now, there's a lot of people that are going to be either new to hunting this year or returning to hunting. License sales in-state are way up. So a lot of these people, what are they, when you say they need to get out and scout, what do they look for, Nate? What, what should they be doing? I know we've got some months to do this, and you're going to take us through this process. You always do week to week as we get closer to the season. But what should I be looking for right now? Right now, we're going to look for a couple things, especially as it's mid-June, you have plenty of time. Uh, the three things that I do now, number one, you can do this from home. You can be listening to this right now. You can, again, this is very simple. You can do it on your phone, find maps, however you want to do it. But your main focus right now is always learning public versus private ground. You want to know where you can hunt. You need to know where you're able to hunt with the tag that you plan on utilizing. So learn all the public land. Learn the areas in which you're hunting. Also learn that private land. Uh, we learn private land for two reasons. Obviously, you never want to want to have any issues with trespassing. You never want to wander onto private land. So it's very important to know where that is. Number two, I tend to avoid private land altogether because if that private land does not have hunting on it, it tends to not have pressure. 
And all of a sudden, the animals will utilize that private land as a refuge. All of a sudden, you'll scout animals, and when there's no hunting going on, you'll see a lot of animals. But all of a sudden, hunting will take place, and those animals will run and migrate to that private land, making it very hard for you to hunt those animals. So again, I learned the private-public aspect right now, and I avoid that private land. Find those animals you know, away from that to where you can set yourself up for success this coming fall. So that's one of the things I'm looking for. I'm also looking for all my access points. There's no doubt how many of us have have woken up at the wee hours in the morning and done these extreme hikes and we hike in for you know three four hours and we set up next to a tree and we're all ready for the upcoming hunt and all of a sudden as it gets light you see you know orange dots from other hunters right there and you didn't realize that there was another access point right next to you um, again it's mistakes that are made we've all done this where we think we're at a place where there's and all of a sudden there's people everywhere because we didn't understand all the access points so i'm always trying to think about where is everybody going to come from where's the the roads that they can come in on where's the trailhead so scouting the land right now public versus private the access point that is the biggest thing that i'm putting a lot of focus on right now and again you can do it digitally or you can actually go out in the field and scout those things the other big thing i do right now is i scout from afar so so many times we get closer to the season i'm hiking around and i'm i'm in the drainages where the elk and deer are at and the bears and i'm really really close to the animals right now they're in their fawning season they're in their calving season i put a major focus from afar so just yesterday i hiked up to the top of a thirteen thousand foot mountain um i sat with my spotting scope and i was literally glassing five six miles away um to where i sit afar i don't go in there they're not winding me i'm not putting pressure on the animals i sit way back and i glass and i just find animals i see where where the, where the females are i see where the the you know the, the males are i see their antler growth i watch their behavior so scouting from afar right now is going to build you intel to where come july august i know which areas are holding animals which aren't and i know where i need to go put trail cameras up i need to know where i'm going to go find water holes um but again instead of just aimlessly trying to find a water hole aimlessly scouting and setting up a trail camera you know on a on a trail or something like that I know where these animals have been behaving from watching them from afar from my scouting trips here in June. So number one, learn the land areas, public, private. Number two, whether you have good binos or a good spotting scope, sit afar, watch the animals from a distance and kind of just start building some intel of where they're at, how they behave and the numbers in those areas. And that's going to take you to your first steps of being successful this coming fall. And we'll cover more scouting as we get into the year. We always do. You talk about the mood the animal's in, the ranges they're moving to, elevations, all those things. We've got a couple minutes left. Let's touch a little bit. You mentioned that a lot of people may be looking for an ammunition or a gun, which could be hard to find right now. If somebody came to you and said, I'm a new hunter, I'm going to hunt elk, maybe some deer in Colorado, what caliber type of gun would you recommend? And is there any specific type of ammo you recommend? Absolutely, Terry. You know, I, I think the biggest thing with that is I think so many people are, are all-around hunters. So they're going to look for a firearm that can, that can get them through most of the animals, whether you're pronghorn, deer, or elk. Um, you know, it's so nice to have a caliber that does everything. I mean, as you get into it, you know, you can have a lighter caliber maybe for your smaller big game, a larger caliber for your bigger big game. But um, honestly, I, I look for a rifle that I can do everything with. I also look for a rifle that is going to be readily available with ammunition more so than others. I mean, nowadays, there's a lot of custom cartridges out there. Um, I mean, some of these manufacturers are, are inventing new cartridges, and they're amazing. The performance, they're second to none. But 
ammunition for that can be very hard to find. So when I have somebody come to me and they're a first-time hunter, um, you know, the biggest thing I suggest, and a lot of people, you know, get panicked when they think of the size of this, but I suggest a 300 Winchester to everybody. Um, a 300 Winchester, it's a magnum caliber. It can shoot extremely long distance. It has a ton of energy. Um, but the biggest thing with that, you can find ammo anywhere. You can go to any of your smaller sporting goods stores. Half the gas stations in the mountains will carry ammunition for this. Um, so ammunition is readily available. It's affordable, and the gun can do everything. I mean, I can shoot a, a lighter weight 170-grain bullet in a real solid tip where I don't get expansion, and I can use that caliber for coyotes or pronghorn. Um, and then I can get a, a larger bullet, say like a 210-grain, maybe a little bit softer, more advanced bullet. And, you know, that's like what my wife Mandy shot her moose with last year. That's what I bear all of a sudden, I can take one gun, one caliber. I have a, a ton of different availabilities of bullet weight and type to where I can literally hunt anything in Colorado with, with one firearm. And with today's advancements in muzzle brakes, uh, so a muzzle brake is a device, not a silencer, just a muzzle brake. It's, a, it's basically a porting on the end of the barrel that, that reduces the recoil. A lot of the, the good muzzle brakes on the market today are reducing you know, that, that overall energy that comes back to you in that recoil by 60 70 percent 80 percent even in some situations it's unbelievable to where you know no matter your size no matter your build youth or adult um you you can fire some of these bigger bigger calibers um and it makes it unbelievable the other big thing about a a fast caliber a fast you know bullet like that is if you misjudge your distance you can still create a vital shot and and, and put that animal on the ground it's where some of the slower bullets out there if you misjudge your target's distance by 50 yards or 75 yards, all of a sudden you're taking yourself out of that, that zone uh, to make that good humane shot. So if you have a faster caliber that doesn't have as much drop, you can misjudge your distance and you're still going to be right on target. So, uh, again, that's kind of my two cents, and I promise you it, you'll be happy with those. All right. Before I let you go, we got about 30 seconds. If you were going fishing tomorrow, where would you go? You know, Terry, I, I, it's so hard because I want to tell you go to the mountains and catch some of the trout and pike availability, but the walleye bite right now, Chatfield, Cherry Creek, Pueblo. Um, I mean, we're literally now seeing our, our average catch days up in the 125 to 150 fish days. Um, it is unbelievable how good the walleye fishing is right now. So uh, as much as I'd love to send you to the mountains for some you know, scenic fishing, uh, the front range walleye right now, from now for the next two weeks, why the shad are still low before the shad start becoming prevalent, uh, I, I would 100% focus on a walleye because you cannot go wrong. Any technique, any depth, you're going to have success on the front range walleyes. All right. And if people want more from you, Tightline Outdoors on on the Internet and on the social media, right? That's it. We have our catch rate event this coming Wednesday. Uh, yeah, look us up on and we'll get you all the information you need. All right. Thank you, my friend. Great stuff. Thank you. We're going to take qu- Thank you. Thanks, Nate. We're going to take a quick time out, and we're going to come back, and we're going to piggyback on exactly what Nate said about the fishing going on in the front range, is we're going to be joined by Austin Parr on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You know I could listen to the Eagles all day, right? You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're not going to listen to the Eagles all day. We're going to go right to the phones as we're joined by Austin Parr from Discount Tackle. Good morning, Austin. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me. Yep. I don't know if you had a chance to listen. I kind of had Nate tease it. Um, 
but you and I are going to piggyback on it. He just mentioned, he said the walleye fishing is great right now, but we didn't get a chance to get into any specifics. We are in a period of time in warm water right now where the water is warm, the fish's metabolism is high, yet the bait fish haven't really spawned and grown to edible size yet for the year, and that's what we call the summer peak, and it can be phenomenal for the warm water fish, can't it? Absolutely. The front range right now truly is just, it's in, it's in the best time of year right now. If you're looking to catch walleyes along the front range, really anywhere in the state at the moment, right now is absolutely the time to be doing that. Well, and I think the caveat I want to throw out there, though, is that we catch more big fish in spring and fall, but we fish yes. for a few bites. And you can still fish for big fish in the summer, but as the bait fish become abundant, it's very difficult. So this time of the year is more of a numbers game, right? Definitely. So all your your males and your smaller fish in general, and by smaller I typically am talking about under 20-inch fish, will really get up tight on structure points, so humps and ridgelines, shallow water areas, edges of, of the basin of these lakes all of these areas they will absolutely pile up on hunting for food and i mean a lot of times it can be absolutely a cast after cast after cast kind of endeavor and then the other thing i want to make mention of this time of year as well is one of the biggest uh, misconceptions that i see when it comes to walleyes uh, in general but especially this time of year is that people think they can only catch them at night and this time of year, however, it is the middle of the day a lot of times, uh, and, and daylight in general that's going to provide the best action. And so how do you approach? Let's take, a, are they most of the lakes fishing the same? Do you use different techniques? Take us through some of the front range lakes and how you approach them. Absolutely. So starting off at Cherry Creek, the water generally at Cherry Creek, because of less flow coming through there, tends to be a little bit more off color. And a lot of times the walleyes there will be really shallow. So we've been catching them anywhere from four to 12 feet of water with the most regularity, although a few deeper water areas are, are definitely producing as well. But getting up shallow in those areas, and if you're, if you're a guy that, that, or someone that looks to really use their sonar a lot to find fish, sometimes that can be a little bit challenging because when they get up shallow like that, the cone of the sonar is so small that it's really challenging to be able to see uh, those fish up there. So if you get up shallow or you up in an area and you're marking just maybe a couple of fish, that area definitely is something to, to be thinking about. But casting uh, blade baits and swim baits up shallow have been very effective along with live bait. But then as you slip out to those deeper water areas, you can do the same thing if the fish are piled up. But what I've been finding especially earlier in the morning, is that the fish are a little bit more spread out. So adjusting your technique into something like a bottom bouncer with a slow death rig or a lindy rig and a leech and covering a bit of water can be good along a ridge line or a road bed out there. But then as the day progresses, they're going to pile up and get shallower and, and in, in areas that are tighter together. So casting as it gets to the mid-morning to midday level is uh, has been a lot more productive at Cherry Creek at least. All right, and then let's move on to some other waters. How about Chatfield? Yep. So Chatfield uh, definitely is also fishing quite well at the moment. Chatfield tends to be a lot more of a clear water lake. So fishing slightly deeper has been a little bit better. So 16 to 18 foot along some of your roadbed areas. But then out in front of the marina along the no wake line, there's a bit shallower structure over there. And it tends to be a bit more off color with some of the water coming in from Plum Creek. And that area is more of an area that I'm throwing jigs. So a stand-up jig and a leech. Uh, curly tail grubs can be really effective as well and more of your natural colors tipped with a crawler but then if you're planning on fishing along the road bed area uh, working a, a slow death rig and a bottom bouncer and or a lindy rig can be very effective and then the other thing that's really nice about chatfield is 
especially if you're out there on a bit busier day and there's a lot of boat traffic on the northern end. The, the southern end of that lake has some incredible structure along the gravel pit edges. So you can get into that no-wake zone and get away from some of that boat traffic and still find fish that are very piled up that are responsive to blade baits and jigging rafts. And as I mentioned, some of those plastics like those curly-tailed grubs tipped with a crawler. I tend to catch a lot of smallmouth back on those gravel pits in addition to the walleyes. Did you find that? Absolutely. Yeah, that's the nice thing about Chatfield is that you have the secondary species of the smallmouth that if for some reason the walleyes aren't biting or if you want to just change things up a bit, you could slip over to the dam face and certainly catch them. But then, as you mentioned, they are heavy on that southern end and and fishing things like a a ned rig or a tube jig can work really good along those areas but then many times fishing the same presentations as we just mentioned like a jigging wrap or a blade bait will catch a lot of smallmouth right next to those walleyes down there what about aurora reservoir aurora is a little different than some of the other front range lakes and it it would uh it's usually it's colder it's clear and it's deep what's happening there Definitely. So a lot of times that lake, as far as straight numbers are concerned, aren't is not quite as good as a Chatfield or Cherry Creek level, although certainly fish are being caught. But many times you're not having these 100 fish days like we're having in other places. But with how clear and cold that lake is, it's really unique because many times those walleyes sit a lot deeper off of those points. And although I don't guide out there, I've been hearing good reports from folks catching fish on heavy bottom bouncers and slow death rigs on the deeper edges of the points. And then talking about also the, the glide style baits like your jigging wraps have been very effective, more vertical jig. But rather than looking in 6 to 12 feet of water at Cherry Creek, a lot of times you're in that 20 to 30 foot of water range at, at Aurora. Now, I want to move on to a couple other things, but real quick, are you hearing this walleye bite like from Pueblo out to Sterling? What, what kind? Is that pretty widespread? It's pretty interesting, actually. So as you're moving down to the Pueblo area, the the bite has been fantastic down there. And, I mean, it's same kind of a thing that we're talking about, although definitely snaggier down there. So you have to be a bit more careful with your presentations. But jigs, blade baits, jigging wraps, whole nine yards is working really well down there for smallmouth and walleyes. But then as you move out to the eastern plains, it's been a bit, a little bit more interesting. So Sterling did not get up into the trees really this year, and the, and the water level has been falling. And the, the bite has slowed a bit out there, although there's still some folks that are catching some fish. It's not quite as wide open as in some of the other areas. Um, I experienced the same thing out in western Nebraska yesterday with a, a bit slower bite uh, after some of the fronts that came through. Uh, Jumbo still has been doing decent, although not quite as productive. But it does seem as though the, the Front Range Lakes, Boyd, Chatfield, Cherry Creek, Pueblo, and then down to Trinidad, all have been a bit better than those northeastern lakes as far as consistency is concerned. All right. Now, the last thing I want to do is we've covered this. You know, the the, the walleyes we know are on fire. The bass are actually doing well. The smallmouth are going to really be coming on in a lot of these front-range lakes. But what if I do want to get up in the mountains and catch some trout? Give me a few locations. So Steamboat Lake is going to be really high on my list. Steamboat is open to boating, although they're not open until 8 a.m. as far as boat inspection, if you're thinking about heading up there. But tube jigs and gulp minnows have been absolutely incredible up there, but still great trolling opportunities with uh, things like a jointed Arapala or shifting into a Tasmanian Devil. I like that a lot. But then our rivers are a bit high right now, so a bit more challenging for conventional fly fishing tactics. But throwing jigs in the rivers is going to be high on my list right now, too, uh, with some heavier jig heads and some straight-tail minnows. Uh, that can be very uh, applicable to catching a lot of fish this time of year. And then uh, spinny, although uh, it's been slightly slower from what I've been hearing on the fly, uh, conventional fishing has been fantastic. I know Nate's been down there a lot catching a, a heck of a lot of fish. 
So that certainly is uh, going to be high on my list as well. But I definitely would be thinking Steamboat at the moment if I'm thinking of a longer-range trip. And anything mid-range, like, uh, you know, you hearing anything about maybe the stock trout in some of the mid-elevation? Definitely, yeah. Stock trout, Georgetown was, was closed for quite some time at Clear Creek County and has since opened up. Uh, the stock trout action has been very good up there. Terry All has been very uh, productive as well. One place uh, that's been a bit more crowded that I might think about driving a bit further is Evergreen, uh, so maybe not so much right there. But Terry All, Georgetown, both have been good. And then I've had been hearing great things about Red Feather Lakes as well. I had one gentleman come into the store and throw out a fly in a bubble up there with a, a woolly bugger and trailing with a soft tackle hare's ear that's uh, called a guide's choice hare's ear. Uh, and he was catching a heck of a lot of fish. But then, as we've mentioned countless times before, uh, in, in, the, in the majority of the waters up there, although not Parvin, uh, you can throw that uh, secondary doe bait rig out there and, and have some great success casting uh, the bubble on one rod and, and fishing the, the power bait on the other. Uh, it's, there's great opportunities. I think the main thing is the weather's going to be great. There is fishing to be had. You just have to kind of pick what you want to do and get out and enjoy it. Austin, we got to run. If people want more information, where do they find you? I'm at Discount Fishing Tackle, 2645 South Santa Fe Drive, which is six blocks south of Evans on Santa Fe. All right, my friend. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you so much, Terry. All right. We're going to take a quick time out. we come back, we're going to talk some shooting as JR from Colorado Clays joins us. And they have an interesting thing out there called the patterning board. And if you're a shotgunner, you need to learn more about it right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. From outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We want to go right to the phones because I want to spend some time with this night. I almost called him gentleman, J.R. Pierce from Colorado Clays. J.R., I don't know if I can call you a gentleman or not. Well, Terry, be careful. Don't say something you're going to regret. <laughs> I always do. Why would I stop now? <laughs> hey, uh, in all seriousness, J.R., uh, throughout this show we've been talking about fishing, hunting, camping, and how many more people are staying home and getting into these outdoor things. And shooting is no exception. Uh, we're seeing a lot of, we see a big increase in hunting licenses. So we're going to see more waterfowl, upland game, big game hunters, small game hunters out there. And we're going to see, as we are in every sport, but a lot of these people are either new to these sports or they're going back to something they haven't done much for a while. And shooting sports are certainly part of that. And you and I preach practice with the shooting sports, whether you're a, a hunter, just a target shooter, you just go for fun, or you're a competitive shooter. And you started doing something with turkey hunting. And I want to start with the shotguns. When the shotgunners come out, I think you learned so much when you started patterning guns for turkey that you've almost be taken it to be part of your helping new shooters develop their skills. Well, and that's absolutely right, Terry. So, and there, you know, we touch on the pattern board all the time, but in the big picture, uh, like you said, with all these folks buying new guns with the hunters uh, and then just recreational and competitive shooters, this has become a staple um, in the shotgun, uh, in the big picture. So, you know, if we start with our turkey hunters, and by the way, congratulations, everyone who did well. I've seen some uh, great-looking birds 
and you know that board did help those guys get their their gun choke sights clothing all that stuff dialed in and a little bit with that distance judging or judging that we talked about terry but really when you think about it if you're a new shooter um or have a new gun or kind of getting into stuff and you want to do it right um even that eye dominance we talked about that last time a lot of times that pattern board can help you flush that out and get that established um help you get that gun fit because a lot of these new guns are adjustable and we can get that point of impact where it needs to be uh, the sight picture you can establish that and just give yourself the knowledge that when you hold the gun your stance is right your sight picture is good that the result will be your pattern be you where you want it to so those are very important and it doesn't matter if it's your first time out or you've been shooting your whole life sometimes you got to come back to that pattern board and reestablish that and you know terry another one i've uh, had a lot of folks learn is recoil anticipation. Oftentimes when you're chasing a target through the air, you don't realize how bad you're flinching, but when you uh, have an aiming point, you can watch yourself pull your uh, barrel off of your um, target just because you are anticipating that recoil. So even every now and again, we, we uh, sniff out little problems like that. And of course, most of the guys that shoot any amount they change chokes, and you can really get choke performance data with that pattern board, whether it's the pattern diameter, the density, uh, all that at a given range, and you confirm that you're using the best equipment you, you can. So I can't stress enough how important a short session on that pattern can be for anybody, uh, regardless of where they are in their shooting career. Well, what I like to do is have them move the patterning board to where I'm shooting so I don't have to change my aim. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you know, seriously, you know, you talk about, um, and I do quite a bit of shooting, and even with handguns, we, we dry fire a lot. And, and you, until you do something like that patterning board, you don't realize how much you can be squeezing or pulling or pushing the gun off of where you're aiming as you do a little bit of flinching. It's really easy. But let's say I've done the patterning board with you. I've come out. You've gone through my gun or guns or chokes with me. I've got a pretty good feel for where it shoots when I bring it up to my aim point, got my sight picture. I'm feeling pretty comfortable about my distances. What's the next step? What's the next? Now, you have everything at Colorado Clays. You have you have trap, training trap, wobble trap, skeet. You have the, the clays. You have the rifle and pistol range, but let's just say I'm comfortable now, but I'm still a fairly inexperienced shooter. What's the next best discipline for me to start learning to shoot better? Well, that's a that's a great point, Terry. So obviously, um, the next level we go to our training trap, and this is not just for beginners, but it's particularly important for beginners. So we'll get on that patterning board. We'll establish your stance, a good gun mount a good sight picture and focusing on a target. Now, a lot of things change when you have to move to a target. And our training trap is on a regular trap field, but you can get a little closer distances and it's a straightaway target. So all this does is add one step of element to what you just got done with on the pattern board. And a lot of people don't realize uh, a gun can feel look and seem like it fits just perfectly when you're shooting at a static target as soon as you start moving you're going to learn something you're going to learn that you can't push four feet of iron around with your forearm you got to start moving as a unit and this training trap 
takes everything you established and adds one element, which is moving as a unit to go up to a target in the air. And it works perfectly for the beginning shooter, but it also works uh, very well if you're out there confirming uh, some chokes or if you got a new gun and made some adjustments to it. Get up there, um, learn to focus on that target, and just do some repetitions to get things to where there's no doubt that where you're looking is where you're shooting. And the training trap is perfect for that, whether you're a new shooter or experienced. It just takes it to the next level. All right. Now, we don't have time to break down every one of the things out there, but let's go through them a little bit. You talked about the training trap. Now, you have regular trap and wobble trap. Where do those come into play? Well, regular trap, Terry, is going to be basically the training trap with angles added. So uh, the concept of lead and follow-through can start coming in next if you're a new shooter. And trap is the perfect place for that because it's at a fixed elevation relative to your shooting position. So all we're adding is angles, and that's the perfect next step uh, from there. And it's really a fun game for anybody, Terry. You, you can shoot five people at a time in five positions, and it's a very popular sport. Uh, the AT guys, ATA guys love it, because we do have seven regulation traps here at Colorado Clays. But trap is the next progression. Wobble trap will add the left and right angle and elevation, meaning uh, random heights from straightaway to high in the air. So wobble trap is a great progression from trap. And then, of course, when we start getting into more advanced games, the skeet, uh, fantastic game. You'll have targets coming from over your head towards you, hard crossing targets, a little more advanced, but can really help you with the lead follow-through stuff. And then our, our most popular game by far, is the sporting clays, Terry. And that's, you know, referred to generally as golf with a shotgun because uh, multiple stations, different presentations at every station. And the things with the other games compared to sporting clays is that they're generally at a fixed distance and height, everything. So they're kind of predictable, and you'll be doing that. Sporting clays, uh, you're going to have close targets, long targets, fast targets, slow, left, right, in, out, uh, just a great variety on sporting clays, and people love to end up there. But I'll tell you, taking it from the top and working your way to that will definitely pay dividends. I want to spend just a couple minutes before we run out of time on the pistol and rifle range. And uh, you have both a 25-yard pistol range and a, a, what is it, 100 yards on your rifle range, I believe? Yeah, that's correct. And, yep. and you've got some special things on your, your rifle range. Nate and I talked about getting ready for hunting. This year it may be difficult to purchase guns and ammo, so it's going to be more important than ever to make sure you have the gun you're going to hunt with, the ammo you're going to hunt with, and then come out and get comfortable with it. And tell people a little bit about the things you can do on your rifle range because it really lends itself to the hunter. Well, absolutely, Terry, and this is uh, one of the nicest state-of-the-art facilities you'll see. Uh, the pistol side is very nice, 25-yard target return, uh, 10 bays over there. We process everybody, fantastic time, but specifically the rifle side and when it comes to hunting season. So Colorado Clays has uh, 10 bays, 100 yards, and 50-yard intermediate targets in there. So a lot of folks get that gun, they get a new scope, um, or they're having trouble getting on paper. That 50-yard intermediate target will get you dialed in 
hitting paper quickly so you don't waste a bunch of time or ammo, and then you can move out to the 100 yards. The beauty of Colorado Clays is that our 100-yard range has a camera on your target and a monitor in your bay. So a person can do real-time sight-in without the need for any kind of spotting equipment. Literally take a shot, look at your monitor, see where you hit major adjustments, and uh, dial that gun in. One other thing to consider, Terry, when hunting season comes around, uh, our uh, staff of pros do a sight-in clinic. This clinic um, takes everything from you know, from the top, basically. Uh, we'll check your equipment over. We'll do uh, bore sighting on your gun as needed and give you breathing techniques, give you shooting techniques, and it is an hour, hour and a half class that will just put you light years ahead to get ready for your hunt. So all kinds of things right. available here. JR, we are out of time. Tell people how they find you. Uh, give us a call, 303-659-7117, or go to the website, coloradoclays.com. Take the virtual tour and certainly send us an email with questions, and uh, we'll get you going. All right, my friend. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Terry. You bet. J.R. Pierce from Colorado Clays. We're going to take a quick time out, and we come back. I'm going to announce a new partner that's joining Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're going to wrap things up, but before we do, a couple things I want to talk about. One is we have a lot of people experiencing the outdoors here in Colorado. A lot of people doing things they either haven't done before or they haven't done in quite a while. On our Facebook page, uh, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, we're posting things like uh, survival if you get lost or injured while you're hiking in the mountains. We're going to talk about outdoor boating safety. And, you know, we're going to cover things like lightning. We've already covered things like tick bites. Go through the, our Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, and go through some of those posts. May keep a, uh, an inconvenience from turning into a tragedy, and we'll cover more every week on the show also. Also, those of you starting fishing, uh, our YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, uh, it was with two shows, Mountain States Fishing and Angling Adventures. A good portion of those shows were filmed right here in your backyard. So when you hear us talk about a body of water or a technique, a lot of times you can go to our YouTube channel and actually watch us out in the water doing that and kind of reinforce how to do that. Lastly, the thing I want to talk about uh, is our new partner, Jack's Outdoor Gear. Now, starting next week, Jack's Outdoor Gear is going to join Terry Wickstrom Outdoors as a major partner. We're very, very excited about this for, for a few reasons. One, financially supporting this show is what allows you to, us to bring you all the great information so you can go out and enjoy the outdoors. The other thing, the locations, Jack's has seven locations, five which are just out, which are outdoor gear, some are a combination of their farm store. So they're, they're really available. They're a Colorado company, and you're going to be able to find your fishing, camping, hunting supplies at Jack's Outdoor, and they'll provide programming. They'll provide experts from within their stores to talk about different types of gear and what's going on in the outdoors. So really excited. They've been uh, family-owned for 65 years, and my relationship with Jack's goes all the way back to the 90s when they actually used to sell 
VHS copies of my television shows in their stores. So I've had a long history with Jacks, and I'm really looking forward to them coming on as a partner. Now, that being said, after saying that, I'm sure Dan Jacobs has some remark about how old I am or how long I've been on the air. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, sir. No, I was actually going to compliment you when I was listening on the way in. You were talking about how it's been kind of a blessing that with this kind of stay-at-home orders and things like that, we've, I think, got a better appreciation for the outdoors. I know I certainly have as you know, we got out. I went over to the reservoir quite a bit, uh, so I thought you were right on there. No, well, thank you. I do appreciate it. You know, Dan, we are seeing a lot of people. And the one thing we're going to try to do over the next few weeks is not only help the advanced outdoor person be more successful, but acclimate the new people that are getting out. There's things that we want to cover, like there's a lot of snakes out this year. We want to be careful. Lightning, to me, of all the dangers in the outdoors is probably one of the number one dangers. But I'm going to talk about things like skin cancer, and we're going to cover a lot of things in addition to the hunting, fishing, camping, hiking, things that we cover all the time, because we want these people to get outdoors, and we really want them to enjoy it. Now, unfortunately... I didn't do enough homework to have a good Broncos question for you today, so give me some teasers what you're going to cover on your show. Well, I, unfortunately, I think the Broncos suck-up media is at it again, so we're going to dive into that. Also, it doesn't appear that at least the media has any idea as to who the Broncos' leading receiver is going to be, who their biggest threat is going to be on offense. We're going to break that down. And also, Terry, I know you have an opinion on this. Is Von Miller a goner after this year? You know, I would say if he has a year like last year and you can't renegotiate him to a lower price that you have to open up that salary cap because a young guy could do as well. If he comes back as a monster and the team is looking like they could really make a, not this year, but next year make a real playoff run and he comes back and he's playing at a high level, then I think a high level player like him on that defense keeps you in that groove. And I, and I don't know. So, you know, can they keep him? I hope so. Uh, he's also been a quality guy for the community, so I appreciate Vaughn for that, too. All right, sir. Well, I enjoy following you on Facebook, the Terry Wickstrom page on Facebook. And more than anything, I just love watching you take pictures with other people's fish. So it's a good follow on Facebook. I just knew you couldn't get through this. <laughs> hey, Dan, have a great show. All right, take care. Uh, folks, we'll wrap this one up. Uh, tune in every Saturday morning from 9 to 11 for Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Follow us on Facebook, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. And don't forget about all the great fishing on our YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. We'll t- let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour and more sports with Dan Jacobs on 104.3 The Fan. I had to stay-